Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute Facebook. It is so great to be with you all this evening. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder. Coming at you guys, let's get a little light on the subject. Hey, look, there I am. What about that? So I am so glad to be with you all this evening, of course, uh, for the greatest little parenting show on the internet. I want to plug these two books real quick. Brian's book, From Fear to Love. Uh, that you can get on promotion, feartolovebook.com. Uh, when you buy there, you also get a free audio version of the book immediately, as well as being able to get um, an additional podcast that he's thrown in. He's always great for the bonuses. And then this book, The Great Behavior Breakdown, that you can find on Amazon, as well as postinstitute.com. Um, so um, my topic tonight has to do with children mimicking and it's coming from a post that we made this morning that Kyra, um, my great little guru, um, who's my, I guess, protege, I get that's the right word, the protege, um, who has been posting on our Facebook page for the last few months. And I'm going to tell you, she's really been, she's done an incredible job. So this post in particular got a lot of comment and conversation going, and I'm, I love that. But um, as I was getting ready to come on, I found myself singing that little Everybody Needs a Little Controversy song because it's a little controversial, but controversial doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means, oh, maybe we need to think a little bit more. Maybe we need to discuss this. And so I felt like it was just something really good to have a conversation about. So if you follow our Facebook page and you're watching this video, you can go straight to our page and you would see the post from this morning. And I'm going to describe it to you. And I've got my screen pulled up on my desktop and I'm going to read through some of the comments. And then I just want to have a conversation because I think it's just a really great learning opportunity for all of us. And hi, Abe. And hi, Carrie. It's great to see you. And I see several people watching. Um, I think this is going to be a great conversation. So if you have to, you know, go do something else, come back and check this one out later, because I think there's going to be some really great nuggets that get unfolded. So the graphic shows two children looking at each other. And behind one of the children is what appears to be a mom. And the mom has this really long red tongue sticking out and it's going, actually going through one of the children towards the other. And so what the graphic, and it says, such a powerful photo, people take note, um, what the picture is depicting through just a graphic, just the picture alone, is that the things that we say as adults Oftentimes, we will hear those same things coming out of the mouths of our children. Um, it comes right along with the thought that racism isn't taught. It's something that's learned. That mean words that come out of children's mouths are often mean words that have come out of adult mouths. And all of that is true. And there's also a lot more to the story. So, hey, Stefan, how's it going? And I saw a couple of people shooting up some hearts. And I gotta tell you, when you're on this side of the screen, and I'm talking, and I see those little hearts pop up. It just feels really good. It's like, you know, like when you're in conversation and somebody nods or, you know, they let you know they're listening or what you're saying resonates with them. And so if I say something that that hits a moment, feel free to, to knock those stars up. So this graphic is basically demonstrating that the things that we say as adults often come out of the mouths of our children, and sometimes those are cruel things. Sometimes that's the root of bullying. It can, and 
And what the graphic is, is demonstrating is true. There's truth in that. But what the comments brought up, I feel like were just absolutely beautiful. So I'm going to read a few of them to you. Um, this one was actually the very first one I saw. And it says, um, this is a powerful image. First of all, thank you for the work that you do for the lives that you uh, that you help heal and the hearts that you help mend. You are a godsend to those who have no financial means to professional help in this season. Your sharing knowledge encouragement is monumental, which is a beautiful thing to say. And what an elegant way to start out uh, a conversation about a different perspective. I just loved that. And uh, that was from Trisha. She goes on to say, I think this image may further harm the struggle many mothers have with their children's behavior. The guilt is already real enough. This image singles out the maternal influence. And she's right. Point well made. This picture makes it look like it's all on the mom. And that's not fair. And that's not right. Um, let's see. The image singles out the maternal influence when in reality the maternal figure may be working very hard to cultivate health for their children in the midst of the children learning how to interact while at the same time battling the feeling of not good enough. Yes, many parents integrate dysfunction and harm into their children's person, but there are also many adults who intentionally and actively struggle daily trying to help their children through the healing process so they can handle emotions without harming others. Mothers, maternal figures don't need the extra guilt, especially nearing Christmas, especially after all that 2020 has spewed into our norm. We've got enough on the on deck. I understand the intention behind the post by posting this image. It can, however, be read as insensitive. I love that comment. I love everything about that comment. Everything she said is absolutely on the mark. And I love that we have the kind of community where people can share what their experience is of reading a post. Um, Tanya says, there are, however, uh, those from hard places whose tongues are not mimicking what they see or experience, but instead are spilling forth earlier hurts. Yes, indeed, that is also absolutely on the mark. There's enough guilt in this world. Let's be careful not to presume causation at the, experience, at the expense of those whom it may not belong to. Um, I thought that was great. Jan said, I, I don't like this image. I find it blaming. That lays full responsibilities on the mother's feet for their child's behavior. What happens to taking a village to raise a child and it takes no account to the child who are neurotypical? Excellent point. I mean, you guys are on it. I love every bit of it. Um, let's see. Esther, who I know, um, she may even be watching and I might not know it, but she may be watching later. I've seen this before and really don't like it. I think it feeds a culture of parenting blame. How many of us have been blamed by teachers and other professionals for our children's behavior? How about the fact that children behave badly when their needs aren't being met by a system that is institutional, institutionally ableist? Man, so good. So there's so many really good comments. So actually, after I read the first comment, I did go back and make an adjustment to our commentary in the post saying that this isn't just a mother thing, and that is true. It is not, I mean, we're, it's a whole family, you know, it is a village, and our children are influenced by a lot of different things. So let's talk about that a little bit, and let's also talk about the level of sensitivity to blame, because 
I know blame doesn't take us anywhere good. There is a place for us to take responsibility for whatever we may be contributing, but especially in the world of adoption and foster care, oftentimes the languaging, it becomes very tempting to blame the family of origin. And there may be some responsibility there. And if we know the story of the family of origin, there's probably a history of trauma that might need to be considered there as well. And probably the generation before that. And probably the generation before that. And probably the generation before that. Generational healing at this point is not one single generation. And so I want to say to those brave warriors who are working to create healing, who are working to step out of walking in wounds, who are working actively to change the trajectory of the generations of the future by their own healing. Not only are you healing the generational wounds that you may have experienced from your upbringing, but you are actually working on a lineage that is has a very long and vast history. And I also want to encourage that hopefully, not only are there generational wounds, but there's also generational courage and generational strengths that you can pull from. So none of this is as simple as it sounds, is it? So when we think about things that influence our kids and the things that come out of their mouths, you know, we have to think about more than just a mom. We need to think about what's on TV. We need to think about what's on social media. And when I say social media, that includes all avenues of social media, including social gaming. And I'll tell you, if your children are gamers in a social game like Fortnite or, um, oh, what's that one my son plays? Uh, Minecraft, not Minecraft, uh, but that may be social too. I don't really know if there's an, I think there is an interactive version of that. But I'm especially thinking about um, like more of the strategy games where people get on all together and they're working as a team. And the, the level of smack talk that takes place in that gaming arena is like, man, stuff I have, like, I've never even heard. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are words I've like, the creativity may need to be awarded, <laughs> but it is ear scalding music. I've listened to music that's out there that literally is vocal porn. That's true. That's real. That's out there. That influences our children. Um, when you think about mean, the meanness, mean things that people say, it's everywhere. Your children can pick that up in a lot of places. Knowing that they are so easily influenced by us, though, I do think is, a, is an important message for the world, for the world to hear. And it may not necessarily apply so much to all the people who follow our Facebook page, because I feel like we have a special, I feel like we have a very special community. I think we have a community of parents and professionals who have at least some element of education with regards to the impact of trauma and they're digging to get more and they're thirsty and they're hungry and they're working hard to help their children. The part that I thought was really interesting too was when um, neurodiversity came up because I've been around children and there's something about certain words 
that to the sensitive brain, it's like a magnet. It's like a magnet. Like if there was a way to say, I love you with the same energy as fuck you, they would be saying that too because there's a certain energy with profanity and mean words and hurtful words that can create a spark at the brain level that then resonates with something that's in the brainstem for those children. And that's where then like they'll start repeating it. It's like, you could say a million wonderful things and then all of a sudden you say one cuss word and that's the thing that you hear your child repeating over and over and over again. That's real. I know that's real. And I, I understand where that comes from. It comes from that place that there's some, there's an energetic vibration associated with that kind of language that somehow then resonates in that child's brain that then they, it latches on. And sometimes I know a lot of kids who they're so comfortable, like that space of agitation and friction is more, it's familiar to them at a brainstem level. That's why you have kids sometimes, like I remember, again, going back to our group home days, I remember a young man and he was spending a lot of time with one-on-one -on -one away from the home because he was struggling in that environment. And what I, he and I were taking a walk one day and he started antagonizing a dog. Just picking on this puppy because Getting that puppy amped up got him charged up and it got him into this vibrational pattern that was familiar to him in a brainstem way that only neurology can explain. It was comfortable to him. Like being in a peaceful, quiet, serene environment was uneasy for him because everything in his brainstem from his pre-birth from his womb and early life experience had been filled literally with drugs in the womb and then drama and chaos and abuse and neglect in his zero to two time frame. And so all of that, what we may think of, of the chaos and frenzy and stuff that we are not interested in, it felt like a warm blanket. It felt like a warm blanket to him because that's what his mind-body system had been born in, like Marcy Axna says. The brain's being wired for the world that it will be born to. So what happens in the womb really is very, very important. And I know that sounds like putting so much responsibility on mothers, but the reality is that if we can have fathers who are present, loving, supportive to our pregnant mothers, then we're creating a better environment for the womb to be reconsidered as a sacred place for our babies to be growing in. It's so important. And we've really gotten so far off track as a society about that. So I want to come back and talk just a little bit more though about this graphic. Because sometimes it's not really about what we say to our children. It can even be things that we're saying to our spouse or to our friends. Comments we make about things we see on television. Because I'll tell you, even as I look back to the, to the things that I hold as moral values or things that make me feel uncomfortable, I have to go back to my early life experiences and I think about things that I overheard my parents talking about and I think about things that my mom would say 
um, she would talk about scantily and that, you know, those seeing watching somebody on TV and she'd be just making an offhand comment like, you know, she could cover a little bit of, of that up or whatever happened to leaving something to the imagination or, you know, all these little things that let you know that in my mother's heart of hearts that she felt like it was prudent for women to be covered and to not show too much of their flesh. And that got very deeply rooted in me to the point that even though I can intellectually um, have a different mindset, I can have a very feminist mindset, I can have a very free mindset about that in my conscious brain, in my subconscious brain, there's still a little spark that comes up when you're on watching MTV Music Awards and Nicki Minaj comes out in something that is ultra revealing and those blueprints not of anything my mother actually ever said to me but of things that i knew she believed in and so this picture really says a lot more than even what the picture says doesn't it you could take this picture at face value and it has some implications and it takes us deeper into conversing about the fact that we really Children really are influenced by the entire village. It is not just a mom. And yet, the womb is truly a sacred place. And when we try to bypass how sacred it is, and when, when pregnant women are using drugs and alcohol, when they're in high-stress situations, when there's domestic violence, when there's abuse going on while the mother's pregnant, it has a definite impact on the brain and the sensitivity of the amygdala. We know this scientifically, but that's not all on the mom. The mom needs a village. She needs support. We need to be supporting young couples. We need to be encouraging people. We need to encourage fathers to support their pregnant wives or girlfriends or mistresses or whatever the relationship is really that's not that's not even part of the conversation the support though is the need for support is so so important but then also to realize that our children are influenced by so many things and it's not necessarily because you're putting them in front of it but because it's there, because it's around. And those things can create a certain kind of spark that when the words then come out of their mouths and all of the adults go, that spark can be very attractive to that sensitive amygdala. And then they'll be saying it again because all that reactivity happens. So a very simple concept really helped us in our, in our following our following really helped us dive deeper into what at the surface seems like a very, very simple idea. And so um, I don't ever want to shy away from things that are controversial because that's where we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we expand our perspective. And that's how we learn how to support the parents who follow us, the professionals who are involved in our network. Ultimately, we do all of this so that we can get better at better at meeting the needs of our children. And so let me come back around and tell you, for anyone who felt offended or it touched a, a sensitive spot in them, maybe, and maybe even a spot because 
because mean words have been spewed out of stress. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it hurt. And I don't want to spoil an apology by making an excuse. So just to simply say that we love you, we appreciate all that you do day in and day out, and we know this is hard work. I know, I know. I know what it's like when your house gets torn up. I know what it feels like to get cussed at. I know what it's like to have a weapon put in your face by somebody that you love. I know what it's like for someone that you love to have to live away from you for a period of time. And it's not my intention, it's not our intention in a post to cause you to feel shame. That's not helpful. And I appreciate you guys speaking up. I appreciate you shining the light brighter to help us, to help everybody because this post also got shared. And so I hope more and more people read not just the post, but also the comments to see the wisdom and the compassion that you all have for one another and that we can let that same level of wisdom and compassion just permeate. You know, the more it can permeate, the more we can have grace for one another, the more we can have grace for the world, the more healing we're going to create. And so I just can't think of anything better. I can't think of a better outcome from something that felt controversial. I love you all. Um, I respect you. And remember, as Brian tells us in any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. We can get highly defended. We can have big arguments about something. Or we can take one to two to three deep breaths. We can choose love. And in that moment, we can expand our understanding. We can spread more grace. And we can create more healing. And so I can't have more gratitude in my heart for our Facebook page and our Facebook community. Much love to you guys. I hope you take some time this evening to sit down. I know we're at crunch time for Christmas. I hope that you can engage your kids in whatever you're doing or set aside some time just to uh, let your love shine from your eyes let it shine from your heart. That may mean that you have to pause for a minute and take a few deep breaths to get connected to it. And then just let them feel it. Just let them feel it. When you look at them, let it feel it. They'll be like, oh, why are you looking at me like that again? And you'll be like, because I just, I just love you that much. I just love you like that. They can't get enough of it. No matter how much they act like they can, I promise you. They cannot get enough of knowing that you love them from deep within your being. Much love to you guys, and we'll see you all tomorrow night.